Hey everybody, big episode today. We have Cody Adam all the way from Utah, USA. Now Cody's designed, it's a little bit different. He's designed a, a different type of beehive. It's a bee barrel, which he started working on in 2013. And it's got these stronger frames because he wanted to address some different um, issues as far as how the bees work inside a, a beehive. And uh, I love people inventing things. Um, obviously, we've got the Flow Hive here in Australia, which we're going to get um, in a future episode. But I'm really keen to talk to Cody. Thanks, Cody. Thanks for coming on board. Hey, Ben. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Thank you so much. Um, really appreciate, obviously, the time difference we're, we've got. And, um, and thanks. And um, so, Cody, before we obviously you want to hear all about this sort of bee barrel, um, your journey with bees, how did that start? Oh, man, I started when I was a kid. My dad uh, was working uh, at work. A guy got, got was allergic to his, his bees and asked us if we wanted them. And so we went and carted them home. And, and uh, I've, been, I've been hooked ever since. Um, I, I love them. So we, uh, it, it was a learning experience, just like you know, everything else. But uh, through the years, I, I've uh, developed my own you know, my own flavor for keeping, uh, taking care of them and, uh, been doing it for a few decades now. That's awesome. And, and so you obviously enjoyed working with bees and you saw, um, some issues with that sort of, um, you know, Langstroth sort of traditional type hive. So you, you started working on creating a better design. So talk us through the moments that you thought, you know what, we need to do this better. I was, um, I just wrapped up some extraction and, uh, um, I extracted uh, 100, 150 kilos of honey, uh, in my wife's kitchen. She wasn't too keen on that. We got that honey was everywhere. Um, and I was kind of thinking, man, is there a different way that we could be doing this? Uh, and I started playing with the idea of, uh, um, removing the outer box. And just dealing with the uh, frames themselves, and uh, um, I wanted to design something where you could take those those uh, rings, if you will, take those apart, have them roll down a track, and automate the the uh, extraction process. And in the in the in the process of doing that, we ended up developing a a, a series of rings that are uh, they're stronger than the the typical wooden frames that you have. Um, they're, uh, round on the inside. The, the bees seem to, uh, ex- uh, draw out the honeycomb a little bit faster. It seems I haven't been able to, to, uh, do any tests to quantify that, but just, uh, it just, um, I'll put bees in these hives and within a few days, they're already halfway full, uh, pulling the, the honeycomb through the hive. Okay. So, uh, what started out as a adventure in simplifying the extraction turned into something where, um, the bees are really starting to, they, they really warm up to that design. And, uh, and it's just a, it's just a more solid design. I mean, it's uh, I can throw that off the back of a truck and it, if uh, uh, I just need to pick it up and put it back on the truck, you know, the, the lid doesn't come off, the rings don't explode. Um, uh, we're here in Utah. So uh, we have some pretty harsh uh, cold winters, snowy winters. And so, uh, um, by using this uh, ring design, we've increased the distance between the inside of the hive and the outside elements by uh, uh, nearly twice the uh, distance of a typical wooden hive. So uh, we have a, um, an insulation factor we're dealing with. So 
I've got bees in them now and uh, in my second series. The first one was a wooden beehive. They did very well. I built about eight of those and uh, pulled out a lot of honey, had a lot of success with it. And then um, I kind of walked away from beekeeping for a couple of years to focus on uh, the design. And uh, we printed uh, two 3D printed beehives uh, this last year, and I put bees in them in April. And we're just kind of watching them, and, and uh, they're, they're going so crazy. I, actually, I ended up having to buy another um, uh, 3D printer to try to uh, print more hives faster than they're uh, filling the hives, uh, the rings up with honey. Wow. So, awesome. uh, yeah, we're, we're really seeing some, uh, what I think is some, um, some good success, some, some, some real, some good results off that. That's awesome, Cody. And so, so I'm going to put some photos in the bit of the show notes here. But so, a couple of things. Sure. So, so you obviously originally made them out of wood, and now you're, you're getting them 3D printed out of like a like a resin a plastic type material. And, and what and sort of describe the shape. What sort of shape are they? So they're the same shape, same exact same size as the wooden hive. The wooden hive I wanted I built uh, to answer two questions. Um, I wanted to see how the bees would uh, react to the design. And I wanted to see, uh, as a beekeeper, I wanted to, I, I was asking myself, what's this like? You know, how, what's it like picking it up and moving it and, and really kind of, you know, working with the bees with this, with this design? Because it's, it is different. It's a different approach, uh, to beekeeping without that outer, the outer uh, box. But, uh, so the 3D printed ones, uh, are basically the n- next step in our, um, in, in our, uh, progress. And, uh, the, the, the material we're using right now is just an ABS. It's a fairly inexpensive, uh, heat resistant uh, material. It's not the material that we'll be using in the real hive. I want to, I'm really, uh, ironically, I, I'm not a real fan of, uh, of what we're doing with some of the plastics. So we're, uh, so we're trying to, uh, look for ways to, to use alternative materials, um, and so we haven't really decided what the final uh, material will be, but the but the 3D printing allowed us to uh, do some things that I couldn't do in the wood as far as uh, observing the bees. We have electronic sensors we're putting in the hive, and uh, I couldn't do that in the wooden hive. Okay, and as far as so and the shape, Cody, it's, it's like a hexagonal type shape, the hive. Uh-huh. Okay. And and so so as I said, I'll put some um photos there so people can sort of see it. So so regards sure. to like brood boxes and things are the very similar process where you you know, over or under super? Yeah, you can stack them. Uh and because of the way they stack, they uh especially for the migratory beekeepers that are doing pollinating, we're hoping that the um will be able to minimize the load shift uh when they're shipping. But but for hobbyists, um the uh, they're really pretty decent to handle. They and because of that hex, uh, that outer shape is a hexagon, and the inner shape is a circle. Oh wow! And so the outer shape allows you to to stack them up like you would would a box. Um, and the cool thing is, is if you want a forty pound beehive, you know, if you want a uh, if you want a, a a beehive that weighs you know forty forty five pounds worth of honey when you're done. Uh, you're looking at about 10 rings. If you want the size, if you want 50 to 60 pounds, then you just add more rings to the end of the hive. You just extend the length of the, of the rods. Oh, that's and a- so it's really oh, customizable. 
That's awesome. So you can actually increase it um, upwards um, as well as out yep. by adding more rings, yep. so giving it more space. Okay. Yeah, and, and I was I've never been a fan like you know you if you're doing nuke boxes you got to have smaller uh, Langster beehives. You, you know you put five frames in those, and then a regular super you might put eight, nine, or ten frames in it. Um, but you have all this stuff laying around that you're not using, and so um, what I was able to do is say, well, let's use the same parts over and over again. But if you want a nuke, then you just use shorter rods, and you have you know five rings in between your beehive instead of ten. There's an integrated feeder in it so that uh, we don't have feeders laying around not being used, and, and when you store them, they're stored right there at the beehive, so you don't lose them. Oh wow! Okay, and what sort of regards the feeders? So, what sort of volume does that hold? Roughly, so the, <clears throat> there's two approaches. That um, if you go, I'll send you some pictures. We have one where we um, just quickly uh, put out a. Um, I don't know if you guys what you guys call them down down under, but the we we use a quart a a, a glass quart jar. It's about a and uh, and that and that sits inside a little feeder. They call it a front a front feeder, I think. Yes. Yes. Um, so we we did that kind of as an emergency. Um, cause, um, I'm having, a, I haven't, uh, gotten the bladders built for the prototypes yet, but the feeder in the back is just about one and a half liters. Okay. And then we, um, we can actually increase that to three liters by doubling up the, um, doubling up the bladder inside two rings. But, okay. um, we're not sure what the customers are going to want. So we're probably going to stick with that one and a half liter feeder. Okay. That's brilliant. <laughs> Okay, and and Cody, what about um, so with the frames you mentioned? So it's a hexagonal type hive on the outer and circle frames on the on the, for the bees. So what about mm-hmm. what the foundation? Do you are you sort of finding you know foundationless is better? Do you put foundation in there for the bees? What, how have you found you know working those bees? How do you do we that? Found, so so I use. Um, I use a foundation that has a, a it, it is a plastic foundation. It's got a, a wax surface on it. Um, it's got a fairly tall uh, ridge on the, on the embossing. And so we're kind of mimicking that, but um, we've designed, I actually have built the hive in such a way that the beekeeper, the beekeeper can decide whether they want to put uh, um, an open ring in there so that the bees dry out the honeycomb naturally. Um, I had a lot of interest in Turkey and that's kind of what they wanted. So uh, you can do a natural honeycomb or you can actually put that foundation plate in it. So it's, it's totally configurable uh, in that regard. Oh wow! Okay, fantastic. And uh, and what about the bees themselves? What sort of uh, what type of bees are you are you guys work with over in in Utah? Or what are you you personally are you using? Sort of canolians, Italians, Caucasians? Uh, yes, we use both of those species. The um, the Russian bees seem to do a little bit better in the winter. Okay. Um, but I I'm still a fan of the Italian bees. There's you know they're they're a lot more docile and. Uh, little easier to work with that that was the other thing that i really noticed about this hive is that i can put that on the hive stand and pop those frames and they don't even fly out they just stay right there on the ring and uh the uh, the queen because it's got a little bit of a natural barrier uh, i've actually found that the queens are easier to find on it which is remarkable to me wow and uh yeah so uh but yeah those um yeah, sorry, I, I could talk forever about oh, these, no, so just I, keep asking your questions. Oh, no, I, I love it. 
love it, Cody. You know, and that's with all beekeepers. You know, I mean, they're you know, I love the passion and I love what you're doing. You know, what I mean, like people. You know, sometimes you know some beekeepers, older beekeepers, you know, sometimes younger beekeepers, that matter, can get very stuck in their ways. You know, and it's got to be done this way. You know, and I love people. You know, doing different stuff. Ooh. You know, what I mean, and what you're doing, you know, is you know thinking a little bit outside the box. But you know, the, yeah, the absolutely. Yeah, it's brilliant. You know, doing these types of things. So, on that lines, have you seen any negative issues, or what? what I guess obviously you mentioned before about the three D printing. But has there been any uh, sort of any negatives as such, you know, in the design? Oh, yeah. Well, there's there's a little bit. Um, when I first started it, I um, when I built the, the very first hives, I didn't have a hive stand, and so everything was kind of on the ground and stuff, and and it was it, it was challenging to work with. But once I started getting used to uh, the difference on um, working with this hive versus the, the other hives that are out there. Um, I, I put a stand together um, and, uh, um, and it's just, it, it became easier. So, um, and I have to admit, I didn't like it. When I first did it, it's like, oh man, I don't know if this is gonna work or not. And then I started popping the rings apart. There's, you know, the, the bees aren't building up a lot of propolis. They're focusing on the, on the, uh, the honeycomb and because uh because we are just so tight on that bee space between the rings we're not getting um i i had two hives that actually had like you know four centimeters of burr comb in it out of the eight hives yes and so so as a beekeeper i'm not damaging the bee i'm not damaging the honeycomb the bees are able to focus on producing honey instead of repairing their hive when you tear it apart and, uh, and, um, and, you know, so, so, um, moving along, it's like, okay, I, I can see where, um, yeah, this has got some things that I've got to get used to that I, you know, didn't have to do before. Um, and, uh, I just had to be, you know, I had to be persistent with it. Uh, the only thing that we really haven't sorted out yet is, um, uh, is how to do, uh, the Varroa mite control um i'm not a fan of using a lot of the um the like the the oxalic acid and stuff and so um we're trying to find more natural ways to approach um the 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 mite mitigation um and this hive is not easy to work it's not as easy as the langster hive as far as um doing mite counts and stuff like that um, but we think we've uh, discovered some ways and working with the researcher out in Hungary that's developed a, a natural, um, uh, call it a miticide. Um, and they're in their final test for that. And we're hoping that uh, we'll be able to use it. And uh, because of the way we have the ports in the hive, we can do everything from outside the hive without opening it up. So we, if we still do our inspections, we, but we don't have to like open it up just because we got to get in there. We can put everything in from the outside. I mean, even like when I put my queen in, I could decide, you know, which ring I wanted to put that queen in from the outside of the hive, put her in. Um, the queen cage was, uh, is clear so I can see that she's escaped. And I didn't have to open a lid to pull the queen cage back out. Right. So, uh, so I'm kind of talking in circles here, but, uh, yeah, the, um, the Varroa might, um, that's a, that's something that that's something that we're going to have to uh, just continue uh, pushing along. And what's really cool is I'm I'm being followed in 140 countries and, um, on this project, 
And I'll get comments from all over the world about, hey, did you think about this or did you think about that? And so we're getting some wonderful feedback from all kinds of uh, people with different experiences to, that are helping to improve uh, this, this, this hive concept. I love it. That's awesome, Cody. That's really, really cool. So, so um, do you have a website that people can come and sort of jump on board and, and have a look? Yeah, it's, uh, it's bscientific.net. It's B-E-E scientific.net. And I'll, I'll warn you, I haven't updated it for a little while. Um, I've been really busy trying to get the, it takes 780 hours to print one beehive. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, so uh, um, we've been just kind of dogged by that. So, uh, and I haven't put a lot of new pictures up there yet because I don't want, I didn't want to give the impression yeah, that uh, that we're, we're that we're quite ready to go. So uh, I'll probably throw some things up to you know some ticklers, um, but we're at least one more season out before we can actually uh, uh, go to production with these. I want to do. I want to. We're we're continuing our testing, and I just want to make sure that uh, that the bees are really going to do well before I offer it to the public. Yeah, awesome, awesome, fantastic. And so, uh, and what about have you done like a crowdfunding campaign? on Indiegogo or, or GoFundMe or anything? Yeah, like that? we, we, I did a Kickstarter campaign back in 2014 and, uh, it was really funny. I, uh, I probably shouldn't admit this, but, um, I, I was about to write a fairly expensive check to a patent attorney and I'm like, man, I need to know if there's even any interest in this because, you know, beekeepers, they are kind of set in their ways. They don't like change. And this was a big change. In, in a lot of ways, it's it's it, it's a it's a change to uh, to some of the tradition to beekeeping. And uh, so I put um, I put a uh, campaign out on Kickstarter. I raised the money up through the roof because I, I wasn't quite ready for the money. Yes. And uh, and sure enough, within ten minutes of putting that campaign on, I got a, a response from a gentleman in Sydney of all places. Wow. And he, he, he said, Hey, how much is this and where do we get it? And I'm like, Oh man, I just wanted to sell it to all my friends and, you know, up the street. And here I am halfway around the world. Somebody wants it already. So it was very exciting. Um, uh, ultimately we did not raise the money, which, uh, for me wasn't really the point. Uh, Kickstarter just gave me a lot of information on the fact that there was an interest and where the interest was. I mean, we had, um, like I said, we, I'm being followed in 140 countries and that's in part because of, uh, um, because of what happened on that Kickstarter campaign. So, um, I'm self-funded. I've, I've put all the money together so far. Uh, it would be really nice to find some investors. Um, so if there's anybody out there that uh, would like to participate, I'd love to, I'd love to hear from them. Yeah, awesome. Uh, but, uh, but I probably won't be doing another, uh, um, crowdfunding uh, campaign until we're a little bit closer to having the molds done. Okay, so and, and so getting those those molds done. Okay, and that, that's um, I think it was in. So you so when when did you do that in twenty? Twenty fourteen, I think, is when we did that. Uh, we did, and you know, the thing that stunk about it was we did it right before Thanksgiving. Okay, and so we had you know, and you had this like this ninety day window to get your campaign going, and we did it right before Thanksgiving. Had to get through Christmas and, and New Year's, and uh, we had we had um, it was minimal minimal exposure as far as the campaign was concerned. But the video that we produced from it, 
um, has had uh, some serious number of hits. I mean, people started picking up on it, and I'm I'm in all kinds of different blogs and and uh, and you know news feeds and stuff because of that. So the Kickstarter campaign on the surface looked like it failed, uh, but it was it really opened our eyes onto uh, just the scope of what this beehive can uh, can do and and uh, how it will benefit people all over the world. Right? This isn't just an American product. This is a world beekeeping product. Wow. And so, and what? okay, so let's say looking at, you know, if someone wants to get one, like, you know, it's uh-huh. like how how far away are we, you know what I mean, from actually getting one, do you think, roughly? Um, if we keep it on the U.S. timeline, um, you know, our beekeeping season is coming to an end here in a couple more months. Yep. And then, and then we'll be picking up again in uh, – February, which is about the time you uh, you guys are going to start uh, winding down that's your right. season, I think. Yeah, right? that's right. Yes. And so, uh, and coincidentally, I, like I told you before, we, uh, my wife and I had the pleasure of living in Melbourne for a little while. So um, I'm actually looking forward to coming back. So um, I'm hoping to have a production ready beehive for the north, the, the northern hemisphere uh, cycle, if you will, um, by by next February. Um, so, um, and then as soon as we do, I am, I'm marching that, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it back to to Australia. I'm going to bring it to my friends down there and, and, uh, let them give it a try and, and we'll make it available. So, uh, we, we understand that there's uh, significant, um, hoops we got to jump through to, to get this available, uh, worldwide. So right now we're just focusing on the U S market, but I absolutely want to get that down there. Yes. Awesome. Um, because you mentioned too, uh, as well, because obviously Utah is like inc- incredibly, talk us through the weather because it's, it's, um, really, you get some hot summers, don't you? And, and cold. Oh, winters. it's brutal. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll get, uh, um, I'm going to look it up real quick. Uh, we'll get, um, as high as about 105 Fahrenheit. So that's what do you guys do? I can't remember. Do you measure no, uh, temperature in Celsius yeah, down there? Celsius, Cody. Yes. That's so, right. so, so we're looking, you know, uh, topping out at about 40 degrees Celsius in the summers. Yep. And then in where I live, we get down to, uh, about minus 20. So that's about minus 28 Celsius Sorry. In, in a, in a good winter. My, sorry, and, uh, minus twenty, minus twenty eight Celsius. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 wow. cold. It, wow. it gets real. So, and we we live by a reservoir, so we get that wind chill factor. So, um, the one thing, the one thing that I noticed with the hive, I had a wooden hive out, and um, if I I actually brought one of them right into the garage and let it uh, let it sit over winter in the garage, and those. You know, as long as they don't have a really bad wind, um, they 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 made it through the winter. It was the wind that was really getting my bees, um, and that was with the with the Langstroth hives as well. So, so uh, we're gonna uh, we've got some really cool things we're gonna put together on this hive for this winter, and then we're just gonna observe the the colonies and and see what you know how just how how bad the uh, the cold winter affects them. I'm not really too, too concerned about. The summer, um, you know, they. Uh, I went out today, and you know, they beard up on the front of the hive, uh, probably for the last six weeks or so. They're just almost a hundred percent outside the hive. It's beautiful. 
Yes. But it's the it's the cold that we're really concerned about. Oh, of course. Like like minus 28 degrees Celsius. That's that's phenomenal. So so what what do you do um to prepare the bees for that that those really sub-zero temperatures? Is there anything so, um, what we're going to try, um, the one thing that we're going to do is we're going to, um, I'm going to take the foundation out of, uh, two of the center rings to open up the chamber so that they can ball up a little bit better. And, uh, and then we've, uh, we have some, uh, fondant type of recipes here that I think I'd like to try. They're a little bit more natural. Yes. Uh, have, they have some, uh, um, essential oils in them and some vitamins that we feel like uh, might be beneficial to the bees. And so we're going to put these plates in it that as they're eating through the fondant, it, uh, it will just basically open up that chamber so they don't have to keep, you know, crawling from end to end in that beehive and they can, they can maintain that, that ball during the winter. So, so we're going to be doing that. And then, like I said, the, the walls, the walls are twice as thick. They're, they're almost three centimeters uh, distance between the inside and the outside of the hive. And so um, there were a couple of people that said, well, why don't you try using one of those NASA blankets, you know, those astronaut blankets yes. that are out there that have the, that aluminum shielding or whatever. So we'll try a few things. I mean, obviously, we want to try to minimize what we have to do because if the, if the beehive proves itself without having to add a lot of stuff to it, then we have a really, we have a minimalistic um, system that it, that's uh, that's preserving that resource, right? Yes. And and on top of that, uh, we're not nickel and diming the beekeeper to death. I mean, everything you do costs money nowadays. Yes. Yeah. And and so we're trying to we're trying to um, reduce the the cost of all the parts and reduce the number of pieces you have to be hanging around. We have an extractor that we're dealing with, that we're working with that'll fit on top of a five gallon bucket, uh, like a paint pail. And, uh, it, um, it weighs about, I don't know, two kilos maybe. Uh, now you, you extract the rings one at a time, but we think we can extract the rings one at a time, just as fast as a, a four ring extractor. Uh, if you buy one of the stainless steel ones and, and if, if it works, we're still work, we're still working out the prototype and we're waiting for the bees to get us some rings with honey in it. But if that works, we'll be able to offer that that uh, extractor for you know 10 or 20 percent of the price of a of a regular extractor okay. so you're saving money and then on top of that when you're done you just put it on your shelf you yes. know it, it, it fits somewhere that's that's brilliant and um and, and just a question there Cody, is going back a step you mentioned uh, uh you lived in melbourne Where, whereabouts in melbourne were you living and what were you doing oh man i um <laughs> it was it was right after my wife and i were married um, and believe it or not, it was on a little, it was on a street called happy Valley road, I think is what it was called. Um, but I can't remember the suburb. It was, it was 30 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and, and what were you doing? But, uh, I, yeah, what were you doing? Um, my father, um, was an engineer and they were working on a refinery down in Australia. And, uh, my, they just said, Hey, you know, we've been married about a week. And they said, you want to come to Australia? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Of course we do. So we came out and stayed with them for uh, five or six months, had a wonderful opportunity to celebrate Christmas there um, on one of the beaches. Um, but uh, it was uh, just the circumstances were such that I wasn't able to uh, 
um, I wasn't able to really pay attention to uh, where we were living. I mean, we did a lot of uh, sightseeing and, you know, driving around, but uh, it was such a short trip. I didn't really get a chance to, to really focus on uh, where, what was where we or you know, but I, I do, we have fond, fond memories. We still have people that uh, uh, we uh, chat with on Facebook um, that are still living there. And uh, we're just really looking forward to getting back one day. Yes, yeah, and I'm looking forward to um to come to America because I've uh I've been to Canada, but I've never been to um, the um USA. So uh, you, you you have got Utah is the place to come, man. If you if you want to, yeah, you got to come here. You let me know, and I'll I'll make. We've got a guest room. You're welcome awesome. to come. Awesome, that that'll be awesome, Katie. Because it's uh that's wherever I go around the world. Obviously, we've got this COVID, so that sort of put everything on a grinding halt, but. I, I've always looked for beekeepers, you know, I mean, and 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 I really appreciate it. And beekeepers always you know, a passionate, friendly bunch, and um, yeah, no, I appreciate that, Cody. That'd be absolutely brilliant. And uh, um, uh, we'd love to have you. In fact, tell your tell all your listeners, anybody that wants to come through Utah, they I'll, they just email me, and I'll we'll make sure we at least have them for dinner or something. We love having visitors. Oh, awesome! Absolutely love it. No, they're really brilliant. Thank you. And I just want to say, you know, just um, on closing up. You know, I love beekeepers doing different things, you know what I mean? And as you said before, you know, beekeepers can be sort of, um, they got this almost narrow-mindedness, you know, very set in their ways. And, yeah. And, and that's, you know, doing things different, you know, and I love what you're doing. And I'm going to put the um, in the show notes some photos and, and you'll link to your website. And, um, yeah, so thank you so much, Cody. I, um, I really, um, really appreciate you, uh, you oh, uh, thanks, spending your time. Oh, thanks for having me on. Awesome. You take care and uh, and stay safe. Yeah, you you as well. Have a good night. Take care. Take care.